0: Hi, it's Ian Brody here of and welcome to this first in a series of interviews on authority marketing. With me today is Tom Searcy of One Big Sales.
1: Hi Ian, good to be with you.
0: We are sitting in a coffee shop in Manchester. We tried recording this in the pub, but I'm afraid <laughs> the, uh, the ambience didn't quite lead to actually being heard. Uh, we thought it was probably also wise to leave before we drank much more. <laughs> so so uh, I have a number of questions for Tom um, related to the subject of that he's well known as being an expert for, it's uh, essentially uh, winning big sales, landing large accounts, and in particular, I'm going to ask Tom about how he's done it for himself and how he's established his reputation. So, Tom, you really have built a reputation and become known as the expert in the field on winning big sales. Was was that was picking that area of winning big sales something you kind of deliberately set out in advance and figured out would be a good field for you, or did you almost fall into
1: it accidentally? No, I, actually, I, I, uh, well, I, you know, it's really two, two pronged. one was that I was looking to either start a business or buy a business, and some people who knew me and knew that my background was in large account selling hired me to be a consultant. And I found that I had a, a passion for it and a belief in it. But then, secondly, uh, when I was looking at consulting, I could be lots of kinds of consultants. I could be a managerial consultant. I could be a business consultant. I could look at finance. And all of those things were true. I had backgrounds and success potentially in each of those. But most importantly to me was the transformational act of large account sales. And I tell you, Ian, it, it really follows the passion. So it doesn't matter that that's my passion. It could Whatever your passion is, that's where all the energy comes from from inside of you. And it changes your ability to deliver value to your customers that your passion is driving it. So I
0: suppose if you, if, even if you were very good at something, but you weren't passionate about it, you wouldn't continue to learn and develop, and you wouldn't put that mental investment into becoming brilliant at that field. So, whatever you focus on, you need to be passionate about.
1: Have to be passionate about it. Seth Godin writes about it in his book Tribes. He talks about that idea that without the passion, there is no authenticity. Without the authenticity, there are no followers. Without no fo- without followers, there really is no business.
0: Fantastic. So. So, in a way, possibly the the main approach you've used to winning business and succeeding in this field is you have become well known as as the expert in the field. Was that a deliberate marketing strategy or did that kind of just fall out of the good work you were doing?
1: No, it was a deliberate marketing strategy, really three prongs. First was to decide the platform upon which I was going to speak. So I looked at large account sales. As a best practices model for growing businesses, and then I built a series of public speaking uh, approaches. Uh, maybe that was a half an hour presentation, all the way up to a full day presentation around large account selling and the process to do that. And then I wrote a book, published a book called uh, "Whale Hunting: uh, How to Land Big Sales and Transform Your Company." And so, between declaring what I wanted to be, the platform, the speaking, and then the book, and eventually the blog. Uh, that follows that, uh, was really how I moved that out into the marketplace.
0: And so it sounds from that that your, your initial tactics were primarily speaking and making a name for yourself through speaking, and, and, and the publication of the book, and then you moved on to the, the website and the blog. Have you, were those the tactics you found the most effective, or the ones that just fitted best with you?
1: I I think that they fit in very well with me. I've done an awful lot of speaking over time, and I enjoy writing. And so that's again, goes back to that idea that your passion drives Mm -hmm. you. But I would also say that uh, I've explored social media uh, through LinkedIn and other tools that are out there and starting to use YouTube and podcasts. And in each of those cases, the new tool um, serves the purpose of the business based upon the passion and the desire to communicate it, not the other way around. If I didn't have it in the communicator, the method didn't make sense as far as passion goes, uh, I wouldn't do it. It's, I, I'm not going to be writing haiku. I, I just I can't take my ideas and put them in the haiku. They have to be legitimate ways that you like to communicate. If you like to communicate in a written format, then you need to blog and you need to write a book. If you like to do it speaking, then you either need to do YouTube broadcasts of speeches that you give or you need to go give uh, public seminars and events. In any case that your passion comes through to your audience, that will be a good mechanism for you.
0: If I, if I remember rightly, from the early, early days when uh, Tony Robbins established himself as a, as a name in his field, he was out doing two or three speeches a day
1: um, using public speaking
0: as his platform. Were you quite that active? Or?
1: <laughs> no, I was, not that, I was not that active, although I will say that I do between 50 and 75 speeches oh, a year. Yes, with many more than most people. It, it's a lot more than most people. I, I've been fortunate. I'm, I wound up uh, uh, working my way into the, one of the larger speakers bureaus, and so they book me on a regular basis. But I would say through the tools that are out there... You can be blogging or tweeting or using any of those kinds of things as often as Tony Robbins was speaking Mm. out there two to three times a day. But you have to have a passion and you have to have something, for God's sakes, to say. Mm. If you just, all you have is uh me too, me too, me too, there's no passion behind it, but just the, yeah, I think management is a good idea and then your management practices, you'll find no followers. right. So, it's, so so you mentioned there are two things. One is the passion for the subject, but also something different to say in a way. Yes, you have to have something different to say and possibly in a different in a different way to say it. And what I mean by that is is that you need to give bite-sized ideas to people who can say, that was a valuable uh, book to read, a tweet to read, a video to watch, a podcast to listen to. Somewhere there has to be value. You can't hoard your value away from people and say, oh, I'm going to give you a little bit of a peekaboo. But I'm not going to tell you anything really meaningful because I want to charge for that. It doesn't work like that. You have to be free and honest with your information and believe that over time the economics will work for you. And so for the people worried about you know,
0: giving away the store and too much, you're essentially saying, don't worry about that, give value. I guess if you're doing it in small chunks, then eventually if they want to hire you, then, then they know they get, there's, a, there's a lot more behind those small chunks
1: exactly true. Anyone who runs a sports team, it doesn't matter whether it's football or rugby or any of the other sports teams, you can hand the uh, competition your playbook. And that doesn't mean that they're going to win. The fact is is that execution and having someone with experience and guidance to provide assistance to the execution, that's where the value comes in. So I have no fear of him. If you read my book, you'll find that I lay out my principles fairly directly inside of the book, but that doesn't mean that I don't get hired by people who buy the book. As a matter of fact, the opposite happens. They read the book and they say, wow, I now understand what you do, but I also know I need help yeah. to do it. And they understand there's, there's so much more depth behind there
0: that you can't write. You can't ever translate into words, but they could get if they worked with you.
1: That's exactly right. I think that some people believe that, oh, my gosh, if I, I, all that I have to offer is written down on paper or given in a speech, uh, then I'll, I'll, these people won't need me. And my answer is very simple. The people who try to do everything themselves were never going to hire you anyway. Mm -hmm. It's the people who understand that they need help and look at your ideas. Those are the customers and they'll only have more faith and confidence because they've read or listened or watched you say what you had to say.
0: Okay, Okay, so if we turn now to how you built your business. When you wrote your your books, uh, Will Hunting and an RFP Sook, what I noticed was there was a tremendous amount of buzz generated in this sort of online communities of surrounding sales and marketing. Was that deliberate?
1: absolutely we, uh, we take a look at it as a marketing campaign when we release a book and that means that we look to uh, other bloggers and other writers that are out in the marketplace to uh, post up something, provide a review, um, put some ideas out there about our book, and to, and to talk it up. Uh, we also reach out to our own database. One of the things that you need to do if you are putting out blogs or writing materials or podcasts or white peppers or whatever is you need to capture the names and the, the emails of those people who are doing it so that you can continue to communicate with them. So And then we ask those people to do simple things for us. Please, if you if you like our materials, please send this out to ten people. And so that's how the buzz um, happens: is that people are following you, they're interested in what you have to say, and they tell other people.
0: Simple stuff in a way, but often people don't do it. They uh, they get people following them, but then in a way they
1: don't ask them to do anything in return. This was probably one of the one of the initial uh, things I didn't understand about uh, about social media. I, I was afraid to ask. -hmm. People to do things for me. Now you have to create that relationship of value up front. So I, I feel like I put deposits in by writing hopefully good content Mm -hmm. and doing interviews like you and I are doing Mm -hmm. right now, Ian, and etc. Put that out there so that I earn the right for later on to ask somebody to do something Mm -hmm. for me. And they want to do something. That, oh, yeah. that was the other thing I didn't understand. They want to help.
0: In some ways, they feel
1: even better and more more aligned with you as a result of doing something for you than they did beforehand. They feel I, they've contributed. Absolutely. Completely agree with that. And, and sometimes I use the content that they send to me, either in posts or emails or other things, in future blogs or in future so books. So you're building up that loyalty, partly through giving, but partly through... Engaging
0: and working with people, help, letting them contribute as well.
1: That's right. And letting them know how valuable they are because they have contributed. Brilliant. Uh,
0: question for you about as your business grows. I know a lot of people listening to this podcast will be will be almost at the, the stage where they're a solo business. They want to build a reputation and a brand, get their material out there, get clients through that. There obviously comes a point at which you can no longer do everything yourself. And you've long since passed that point. Um, In fact, the reason we're talking is because you're over here in Europe setting up a European business. Um, What what are your sort of secrets and tips for people who are reaching that point at which they can no longer do everything themselves, but of course in their mind what they're thinking is my USP or the the reason people keep coming to my website is me? There's a dilemma there for consultants and coaches and experts that it's not just about the business, it is often about you. you. You can't do everything.
1: Well, Ian, I think I may be just repeating things that you've already said or told other people uh, on your own. I've read some of your materials, and I think they're, they're uh, excellent. I think they're very helpful. I have 71 tips, but we'll cover four of them. All right. the, the, first, the first one is, is rather simple. Only do those things in which you are exceptional and outsource everything else. So I don't book my own travel. I don't even handle my own calendar. As you know, Ian, when we booked this today, you never spoke with me. For true. The, uh, this was all handled by other people. I don't book travel. I don't set appointments. I don't do proposals. I don't do documents. Those are all managed by people internally. So there's, uh, we have a saying inside of my business, Tom makes money when he's on the mic. And and that microphone may be me writing. It may be being in front of a client. It may be on a platform stage or presentation. But I only make money on the mic. Most of our people that are on this listening to this podcast right now, they make money in one of those three categories Mm -hmm. I just said. So everything else has to be outsourced to the least cost price for doing it with yet the same necessary value. Secondly is, is you don't do anything once that you can't bill twice, and you don't do anything that you don't get paid for. So uh, what I mean by that is, is that if I'm doing client work, I'm constantly looking at, can we turn this into a product later on? Right. Not the proprietary information, but we'll just talk into a system, a book, an idea later on. And when we bid it, we look at it in that way. So don't do anything once that you can't figure out a way to build twice. Mm-hmm. The third thing is, is that everything needs to fit into a system or a product line. I don't charge by the time, ever. You know, I'm not a plumber. All right, Plumbers charge by the hour. Barristers charge by the hour. Um, I, I think that they are of. A... Because yeah, barristers still think they're living in the ages of plumbers. I think <laughs> <laughs> they, are, they ought to be listening to this. That's <laughs> right. And so, so my answer is very simple. I provide an outcome mm-hmm. and I package that into an overall program. And I sell for the program, not by the hour. By doing that, over time, the program produces the result rather than Tom producing the result. We have a program called the EXP 4.0. There are four modules inside of it, and those can be delivered by other people besides me. What we started, when I first started out, it was just, you bought me for a series of days to come and change the world. Mm -hmm. At least that's how I thought about it (laughs) with my big fat American ego. Um, But over time, these became exercises, processes, and systems. That then my job five years from now, five months from now, is to really spend my time. My customers will be the people who are delivering my systems. Right. So I am training them, coaching them, inspiring them, and building new content for them so that they can then go deliver to their customers. And then I'm working on an annual basis to just continue to reinvigorate Keep the brand process. for the, the larger rooms, the 200 to 2,000 people rooms. Okay. Cool. That's a long answer. It was only
0: three as well. Where's the fourth
1: time? do cut me off. <laughs> I was going to give the fourth answer. least well, we leave that for another podcast? I, I will. Yeah, yeah. yeah, Fantastic. Uh, well, I have 70 others. Yes,
0: that's true. That's true. And we don't have so much time. Final question. Um, I know you've got some quite strong views on the future of the consulting and coaching and the expert advice-giving business.
1: Do you want like, to say a few words about that? I believe in the world of value. That there was a time where inspiration and information were highly valued because people were able to bottle up and have unique information and then their own delivery styles had inspiration. I believe because of the internet, YouTube and other tools that are out there that that is becoming moving as far as value closer and closer to a perception of free. I can get whatever information I need over the internet and if I want to watch a speech of of a positive thinker or someone who is really getting people charged up, I can watch that on the video. Instead, what is becoming invaluable is the ability to deliver outcomes and results so instead of just public speaking is what's delivering the value we're moving farther and farther towards do you have a process to teach my organization that it can then be self-developing and self-teaching do you have a mechanisms to moderate monitor results give me feedback and help me improve along the way (laughs) and in the end will you participate in the installation implementation and application of your ideas inside of my company those those elements are becoming invaluable as companies have to downsize their personnel as they don't have the resources to hold on to huge headcount and instead they just need spot on this one year help us work out these ideas or problems could be taxation could be mergers could be acquisitions it could be um change our sales profile improve our interactions as teams and so on they want you to be a part of change not just a part of sharing ideas. Okay. Which is, uh, I guess a scary thought for some folks, but also
0: a, a tremendous opportunity for people able to move to that new model.
1: Well, the interesting thing about it is, is that it is easier to find those nuts and bolts delivery people to help with the delivery of results than it is sometimes to find the platform speaker. Mm, true. And so if you and the people who are listening right now to this podcast are the platform speaker, if you're the spark of inspiration, but you can develop those systems, you will be able to find more because people, people
0: right. who are
1: operationally capable than you will be people to replicate your your, your brilliance and your oh, your inspiration on so, stage.
0: So instead of you just being the person on stage or, or on the web delivering brilliance and then the client has to find someone else to do it for them, you also provide the people to do it for
1: them. You provide the people to do it for them, and then that's how you start to multiply your business. Right. Instead of time for hours or dollars for time, I'm sure. No. I guess it would be pounds for pounds time. Pounds for time. Forgive pounds for me. Time. Pounds
0: for time. Oh, we take all currencies. <laughs> Final question, John. Thank you very much for this interview. Um, if people want to find out more, um, read more about your ideas, where do they go? Uh,
1: if you go to my website, which is huntbigsales.com, and you'll have access to all of the information, including all of my blogs and past blog, pa- uh, uh, my past blogs and my past podcasts. Uh, and we'd be happy to see you there. And if you register, you'll receive a post up for my uh, my uh, blog every week. Brilliant! Thank you very much, Tom. It's been a real pleasure. Hope you've enjoyed
0: Manchester as well. <laughs> very
1: much, Ian. Thank you so much for the afternoon. Take Cheers. care.
0: All right.